Hello, I'm John Tomlinson, and I'm here today with Caroline Black. Hello, Caroline. How are you? Hello, John. Nice Hello. to see you. I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine as well, thank you. And uh, thanks very much for agreeing to be on this podcast. Really appreciate it. Pleased to be here. And you're willing to spend the next half an hour or so trashing your own reputation by talking about all <laughs> your mistakes, is that right? Well, pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I'm, you know, we all make mistakes, don't we? But uh, I guess the important thing is that if you make a mistake, is what you learn from it. <laughs> absolutely and uh, th thank you very much for being willing to do that to talk about um, some mistakes that we've made and originally when we talked about this we talked about it being in the context of putting stuff online from not being online which of course is yeah. an experience a lot of us have been through recently um, yeah. so how do you want to start this do you want to do you want to just go through mistake after well, mistake <laughs> how about how about how about I throw you a mistake that I've made and that I've made in the last two years but has made me really think about the nature of our work as L&D professionals. And I suppose the first mistake I'd, I'd offer you is accepting a brief for what someone said to me was, oh, it's only a simple online L&D intervention. We only want a bit of this. And what they wanted was the client phoned me up and said, we want what you've done in the past for an organisation and we'd like you to just tailor it a little bit for us. And, and, and I have to say, because this request came in during the middle of the pandemic, and I thought, that's great. Yeah, of course I can do that. And I can turn it online and that's all fine. So I took the brief on the face of it. And what I failed to do was do the usual thing you should be doing when you take a brief, which is really bottom it out, is really understand what is going on. Because very, very rarely, really and truly, when someone says it's a simple L&D intervention, rarely is it simple. And uh, the one I'm thinking about that happened in the last two years during the pandemic was uh, fairly obviously I, I, I did. I, organ I organized an event online. I turned what I had as a face to face session, turned what I had into something I felt would work online and delivered it. And as soon as I clocked in in the morning, turned on, we were on Teams, saw all the faces of the people who were participating. There were probably about 30 of them, saw the faces of them, some of them at least in a gallery view. And I thought, nobody looks very happy about being here it's difficult as you know to read body language anyway when you're online sometimes and if half the people have got the cameras off you can't but those faces i could see i thought they don't know even though they don't look happy and i'd said to them you know put questions in the chat thread and do all that kind of stuff and i'll have a poll for you later on and and so on and i did all of that stuff to turn something which was uh, which i felt would be suitable to meet the brief from an on from a face-to-face -face situation to work online anyway suffice to say got to the end of the day and I, I felt the cameras turned off I, I exit the meeting and I knew everything about you know my internal experience told me that wasn't brilliant and there was something so fundamentally wrong anyway cut a long story short I think it was the following day that one of the training team phoned me up and said I'm really sorry about that you know everyone the feedback isn't brilliant and I said well I felt that in the moment and then they kind of dropped the bombshell, which is, well, you know, we're in the middle of something which is a very major transformation. And in fact, people are really unhappy uh, about, you know, work in general, not just this. And you probably took the brunt of it. And I, oh, you know, no. and I, that's, I think, what I was, you know, picking up from the body language and so on, just the, the lack of any engagement, really. Uh, even the kind of silences in the breakout groups when you got these uh, these 30 people into groups of, of five um, and I dropped in on those groups, they weren't interacting at all. So, you know, for me, I suppose that's a funny thing, isn't it, John? That over a long career in L&D, I, I learned years ago about I had taken a brief uh, for something which I thought was one thing on the face of it and actually turned out to be another. And 
And I suppose I should, you should accept that that may well happen to you uh, again in your career. But I just didn't feel I'd, I'd asked enough questions about the brief itself. I think that's you know? that's such a, a, you know, that we can generalise the point there, can't we? Because obviously that was a very specific and quite dramatic example that yeah. they'd all been put in this really difficult, job-threatened, livelihood yeah. on the line situation. Yeah. Fortunately, yeah. that's not that common. But the the same, I mean, it happens, but the same principle of, did I really ask enough questions? Mm, and Because, mm, yeah. I mean, I know I've made this mistake as well. When you get told, can you just do this? And you think, well, actually, yeah, I could pretty much do that without any real effort because I'm so, it's such, such yeah. a familiar thing. So it's very, yeah. very, you know, it's very tempting just to go down that route. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think... If you've got a lot of experience, you think, well, you know, I can flex this. I can I can move around and, and I yeah. can do whatever's needed here. It's, you know, it's it's that's what we're paid for is yeah. to be professional in a training situation. And that's kind of that's what online. they want. That's kind of what they want you to do as well. They just want you to go. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, it's kind exactly. of it's kind of quite hard to even though you kind of want to go. Yes. And they want you to go. Yes. To kind of turn around and say, well, actually, hang on a minute. Let's just yeah, let's yeah. just dig, as you say, let's bottom it out to really yeah. understand what is the need here and what is the context, etc. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, there are sometimes I don't know if, if anyone who's uh, listening to the podcast would agree with this, but I've certainly felt in my life, you know, it, you're trying to help people out and you're proud of your expertise. And so you think you'll take it on. But there are times when you should you should be able to ask enough questions and be able to say actually, no, I don't think I'm right for that. Or, you know, be able to extricate yourself so that you don't go ahead with it and then feel like you shouldn't have done it in the first place, maybe. No, that's, uh, that's, you shouldn't have accepted it. You shouldn't have accepted it. That's such a great example of, um, I mm. think, a very common mistake in our business, especially as a lot yeah. of us have really, really enjoyed the part of the job that's in the training room. And yeah. therefore, yeah. maybe sometimes even a little bit too quick to say yes to stuff that actually does need a bit more analysis first, a bit more probing yeah. first. Yeah. And that I mean, I could have kicked myself because I can remember as a very young trainer, I had accepted a job a little like that. One of the very first years, I think I was working freelance and I accepted a job and it was with a government agency, funny enough. And I went along to run this and they asked me to facilitate a conference. And there were two and a half, two and a half, no, it's about 250, 300 people there. And the night before the conference, one of the team phoned me up to say, you ought to know this when you get into that conference tomorrow. And it was one of the, uh, I think it was a design centre uh, uh, along in, in um, Islington. And they said, you ought to know before you get in there tomorrow that um, an announcement was made today that our staff numbers are going to be cut by 25% over the next two years. And the management team that you're working with tomorrow, the managers in there, they've been told that today. So I don't think tomorrow's mood will be very good. And I learned that a couple of, you know, that's 20 years ago that that happened. And uh, and I hadn't really encountered anything like that really much until about, yeah, it was about a year and a half ago, year and a half ago. So, yeah, lessons learned. Let's, let's move on to mistake number two. <laughs> OK, well, mistake number two. How about this one? Um, it's assuming that humour will always work OK to oh, warm God. things up. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds okay. like that might have happened to you. Yes. Yeah. OK, well, it still does. Well, again. Yeah, I, I I made a, I thought it was quite an appropriate joke. We were talking about diversity and inclusion and I made a, well, it wasn't a joke actually, it was a story. I told a story that I thought was funny. It was quite self-deprecatory of me. And I told a story about a bit of unconscious bias, bias that I had, I had, I myself had had. 
And I told this in the context of working with a group on diversity and inclusion. And they took offence to it. They really took offence to it. Uh, and as someone wrote in the chat thread, they said, this isn't unconscious bias. This is conscious bias. <laughs> oh, and God, it, was, it was about, you know, what someone was wearing. And I thought that the example I gave was demonstrating the fact that I was conscious I had a bias about what someone was wearing. And it was, believe it or not, it was about a linen suit. I mean, that's all it was. It was a linen suit. And, uh, and it, was, it was such a, an odd bit of kickback from one of the, uh, one of the trainees. And I thought, OK, uh, the moral of the story here is what I haven't thought about carefully enough is the story I was about to tell that it properly demonstrated a positive point uh, and I hadn't rehearsed it enough. So my my thing is about, I mean, my, my lesson or my mistake I made was I thought it was funny. Clearly, somebody else didn't think it was funny. But a subsequent and supplementary um, learning from that is if you're going to tell a story, rehearse it out loud before you do it. I hadn't I had it in my head, but I hadn't spoken it out. And I think that particularly if all you've got to rely on, as we do on online training, very often is your voice you've got to make sure that you can tell a story really well and i hadn't embroidered it enough and set it up well enough for people to take the appropriate learning out of it that i wanted them to take out of it i suppose as well at the, at the beginning you haven't necessarily got the relationship either yeah exactly exactly if you don't it's like with clients you work with with a long for a long time they know what you're like. They know your body language. They know if you raise an eyebrow. They know what your irony is like. They know all of that stuff. With a client you've never met before, they, they, they don't know any of that about you. They don't know who, who you are. You are just a voice or a little postage stamp on a, uh, on a team call, team's call. So it's not quite the same. And therefore, if you use humor, you've got to be really careful that it doesn't land badly. But it's, it's also that, that lesson learned about tell a story really well and tell it out loud if you want it to work really really well yeah i think that's almost two bits of advice in there because one is mm. if you're going to tell a story tell it well and practice uh, because the, the art of telling a story and all of that is is in itself a thing that needs practice yeah and then there's yeah. sort of a separate point i guess about humor i suppose that therefore a humorous story is double double jeopardy isn't it but but yeah. there's a separate yeah. point about humour in the fact that it's, you know, humour necessarily often depends on misunderstandings and that's often mm. how humour works and therefore it is often yeah. misunderstood and obviously yeah, it's quite idiosyncratic yeah, yeah. as well. So humour, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's definitely a thing you've got to be quite cautious with and make <laughs> sure it builds up rather than puts people down and things like that. Yeah. And... Well, and I, I was reflecting as well because it was in an online situation. You know, irony, if you think about I don't know, Facebook or any other of the online platforms, irony is always lost. You know, it's not subtle. It's not a subtle me method of communicating really and truly. And consequently, if irony is lost, it's going to get lost, I think, in online training situations. And that, that just strikes me as, you know, and also humour. What's the mood of people? Because when this happened... And as I said, I've been doing online learning now for uh, two years, like we all have, just about. And when this, when this happened, and this was early on again, when it happened, it, it gave me pause for thought about actually humour at the moment. I'm not certain it's working anyway with anybody very much because it was at a time when the schools were closed and people were scared and people were dying. And I don't think the mood was right for, you know, bucket loads of humour. I think I think there was enough to be gently kind to each other. And of course, that became a mantra at the time is be kind to folk. So, yeah. So my reflection on that is we use humour. I mean, as an experienced trainer, 
anyone who's doing learning development in the classroom will know humor is so important to warm things up. But I do think that we have to be very careful when uh, there are situations when people are feeling sore or people are feeling frightened, uh, whether that's because job cuts are coming or whether it's because there's a pandemic that's forcing them to work from home. People weren't in the mood. And it made me reflect again about an incident that I had had in my career probably about 18 years ago when I was working overseas and uh, for a private company. And I was working with some of the people. Do you remember the bomb went off in when, in fact, it was Madrid? Bomb went off in a toucher station. Was it a toucher? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that very well. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so the bomb had gone off and we were running this. Um, and again, it was a conference type training event and we were doing it in Prague. And I was working with a team of two other trainers and and, and I had I had completely it, it had escaped me that there would have been a contingency from Spain uh, who'd come in to join this international group with a big private company. And uh, we were kind of doing quite, you know, fizzy, bubbly, upbeat training exercises. And there, yet there were about 22 of the hundred odd people who were there who came from Spain and they just weren't in the mood for it. <laughs> So, um, you know, it's a it's a reflection, really, about humour in the in the training room when it's right, when it's wrong and being sensitised to people, sensitive to people when their experience may be that they are not in the mood at all. I mean, it's a really good point and about how careful we have to be with it. But I wouldn't want to put anybody off from saying never use it, because, as you said, it is so important. It's just yeah. has to be used really skillfully, doesn't it? And yeah i think we've all yeah, bombed yeah. and all bombed and died and said the wrong thing and and really kind of thought oh my god did i just get that complete mm, you know mm. tumble, tumbleweed wrong. silence <laughs> from what yeah. i thought was a real top funny and i just faced with silence and i've just blown my reputation with these people yeah 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 so yeah it, it did also make me think about well how am i feeling you know because as we have to reflect our, we as trainers we have to think about what kind of mood are we going into a room with and I was just wondering at the time whether I was slightly because of the pandemic whether I was so affected by it too that it affected my delivery and I, I that was pause for thought for me afterwards I do and I'm sure that anyone involved in L&D does quite a lot of reflective learning after any experience is to sit back and think what happened there <laughs> you know was it a good experience for the learner did I do the right job did they did they go away from the session uh, with something that was useful and helpful uh, and were they able to take something from it? And where was I in all of that? And what what kind of a, a person was I there? What do I learn from doing that? So yeah, any of these events are going to give you pause for thought about yeah. did, was I good enough there? Uh, what would I change next time? So it's made me it's maybe a little bit more cautious about humour. Let's put it that way. Particularly if I'm doing an online intervention, I think I think very carefully about is this actually going to work or not. Uh, I've tended to make my humour, I think, a bit more universal, almost a bit more naive. One of the things I've got in my in my room working from home is a big, well, when I say big, it's about a foot long. It's a stuffed elephant and it's my elephant in the room. <laughs> right. and, uh, and I use the elephant in the room quite often, really, to um, to kind of diffuse situations. It's a children's toy. That's all it is. So it's not sophisticated. And it doesn't matter what level of uh, education or training you've had or what kind of uh, job you occupy. The elephant in the room seems to just break break barriers down a little bit. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, a trick I maybe have learned, I hope, over these years of pandemic. Yeah, I think it's an important point, as you say, just kind of making it a little bit softer, the humour, making it a little bit more general, a little bit, you know, less yeah. sharp and things like that. Humour's never the point of a learning session, is it? Um, it's no, just, it, it's, it's not. a means to an a means to not even an ends it's just 
you know one tool in among many so yeah. it's, it's something to um uh, as you say to kind of uh really tone down especially during these times or like you say when you're yeah. stumbling into a situation of people that might be facing job losses and stuff to go back to yeah. that example and i have yeah, heard exactly. people you know use just slightly humorous phrasing when they're talking about job losses and mm. not really a big not really a proper gag or anything um but mm. even just humorous phrasing just feels wrong when you're talking about yeah. something that serious to people so you know it's definitely a mistake we've all made yeah yeah i agree and it's made me uh, be very because of course we're now at the, the, the time i'm talking to you there is a move now for people to go back to face to face and uh, I, indeed i ran a training course yesterday face to face for the royal navy and and what what astan- astonished me about that was I had not met these people before. I'd not been down to Portsmouth before to run training for the this particular group. Uh, and, you know, having done two years worth now of online, I thought, <laughs> have I lost have I lost my mojo uh, for doing classroom classroom based training? I, everything came flooding back. It was like muscle memory and uh, just being with people. Nice, um, great, and that's <laughs> oh, Limey O'Reilly, yeah, absolutely. And just to be with folk in the room together, when you could read body language and the raised eyebrow, and you could make a joke or stand in a way that conveyed humour, you know, just those tiny little things that we do as human beings to communicate with each other, which is lost when we're working on these screens. Let's go on to number three. Well, I reckon number three is probably do I do it in the classroom? I think I probably do. But I think it's it's maybe I've learned there was one training course I ran in the last couple of years online. And I don't think I did enough repetition to make the lessons land. Right. Yeah. Because, and I th- I think that, you know, yes, our brain can cope with things. But I think the last two years and actually in our everyday world anyway, we've got so much competing for attention. And our brains aren't aren't good at re- retention when we are so um, so so thinly spread. When maybe we're thinking about what's happening tomorrow and what kind of job are we doing uh, and what's needed now, and we're trying to juggle loads of stuff. And I think that uh, crafting the learning so that it sticks means that you've got to repeat several times. And so I, I was reflecting on one particular workshop that I ran. It's probably about a year ago now, and I was thinking the mistake I made in that was to scamper through. Uh, material without a chance for people to reflect and of course normally and naturally in a classroom situation I do that but I think on this occasion what I did was and it was a bit about people asking you only to do what you normally do in a day but to do it in half a day or even less and I, I crammed so much material in that I didn't allow that soft bit of time for reflection and processing and, that, and that's always the bit you drop in it when you see time looming and you think, yeah. oh, bloody hell, have I already got any time left? <laughs> what, what do you squeeze? Yeah. You squeeze that. Yeah. I'll get, yeah. And you think, well, you know, they're paying me for this and they need another model. They need yeah. something else, another, another tool in the toolkit. Yeah. yeah. So I'll put another thing in without just saying, OK, I'm going to just leave it at that. And let's just reflect on what you've learned by doing this bit. So I think that's about not enough repetition, but it's also, I suppose, it's lesson number three and four, which is, how much material do you cram in? And I think there's been a, you know, uh, we've all learned that, you know, death by PowerPoint. No, don't do it like that. But I think it's been very easy online to use PowerPoint to show diagrams or pictures and stuff, you know, material content. And I think maybe, maybe just maybe I was lured back into too much content and lured back into a kind of a little bit of death by PowerPoint because it was on an on, in an on-screen situation. I think. 
Yeah. I, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're just more, we, it's one of those things that it, it is the, one of those lessons that we forget. Yeah. You know, we've learned it in the face-to-face, as you said, because that's that sort of that natural environment and you move to move to online and suddenly you're making all those mistakes of cramming stuff in and not giving yeah. the space. It's yeah. It, yeah. It's nuts that we forget that. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, of course, with this technology, whether you're using Teams or you're using Zoom or WebEx or whichever platform you're using, you know, they've all got slightly different bits of technology that you can use. I mean, it's, all, it's similar. But it works in slightly different ways. And, and I can remember very successfully showing videos on Zoom over the course of these two years. And they work fine. Then getting onto Teams and whatever I'd done on the settings on Teams, it just didn't work. It just oh, did God, not yeah. work. You couldn't get the sound out of the damn thing. And, uh, you know, if you've planned your, your content around that, that can be a problem. That's a slightly different point, of course. That's yeah, about yeah. probably, maybe that's mistake that's number mis- five. Yeah, it's mistake number <laughs> Are we up to five? About, Hang on. I don't what know. Was four? No, I think I've, well, four, three was enough repetition, not enough repetition, and giving space and time to do that. And four was around just too much content. Oh, okay. So, um, right. Yeah. So they yeah. kind of merge those two, don't they? Yeah. They kind of kind of go together because we, you know, you were, I've done, I've done L&D now properly after doing my qualifications for about 20 years, I think. And, and it's just stuff. It, it I'm tempted to say it's basic stuff. Did I did I unlearn it because we were working online? Maybe I did a little bit. My instinct was, of course, to do what we've always done, which is to have enough content to suit the time slot you've got and the learning objective you've got. But and do, that do you means not think there's a variety a, of stimulus? But gonna, yeah, do, do you not think there's a pressure though? Because obviously people are giving up their time, and you want to make sure that they get the most po- you possibly can from that time. So there is this kind of like pressure on us to actually pal in as much as possible isn't there just to kind of think oh, yes. i must add more value yes there is well i mean i'm thinking one workshop i ran in particular this is not so much a mistake this is actually one i created at on the out of the out of making these kind of mistakes about uh, content and repetition and so on and i crafted one workshop which was a leadership communication workshop for um, the security services for quite senior people who wanted to understand about leadership communication and how they could be better communicators and in the end i said right if we've only got three and a half hours and i want to give you enough breaks because clearly when you're working in an online situation those breaks really matter for concentration if we're going to do that all i'm going to do in three and a half hours i'm going to give you six tools that's it that's that's all you're going to get and then i constructed it having learned that i was not doing repetition having learned i was in danger of cramming too much material in so i restructured what i did to only give them these six six tools and actually the feedback inevitably was much much better than it had been even for the, the one workshop before which was pretty good but doing it that way and reminding myself of some of the basics that i had i think in the pandemic i'd slightly got lost i think i think that yeah. worked but there is yeah and then, um, yeah. But it, it's a similar point in the sense that if you normally feel pressure to actually add value and therefore you're cramming content in. And again, if you haven't, going back to your first point, if you haven't asked all the right questions, you haven't necessarily, you don't necessarily know how to focus it exactly. So you might kind of like just throw the kitchen sink for everything in. Whereas if you've asked all of those great questions, then you're much better at being able to say, well, actually, it's just these six things or two things or three things. Let's just muck about with these small number of things, but really get to know them. Yeah. I don't yeah. need I don't need a massive scattergun because I've yeah. really understood your issue. I've really understood your context. And I know two or three, th- four things that are really going to make a difference. And that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop there. 
I'm not going to overwhelm yeah. you with content so you walk out thinking, blimey, there's so much to learn. You walk out thinking and feeling empowered that you've actually got some stuff to do and you know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. So I think, yeah, as I say, I mean, when, when you and I were talking about this podcast, I was I was thinking to myself, I know I've made some mistakes along the way. And what they were was just just not really going back to the basics and saying, how do we do L&D? We're working now in this in this strange new world of all online and forgetting some of those things. I think that's that's my, you know, would be my overriding reflection about the last two years is actually L&D, whether you're online or you're working in a classroom or it's a hybrid of those. The principles are exactly the same. Don't unlearn them. Yeah. Don't unlearn them or forget them or, you know, think, well, that was 20 years ago. I did my CIPD training, you know, just just. <laughs> go back to them go back to the drawing board and say how does this work the main thing is you're working in a different medium and people's attentions are shot and maybe people are feeling sore and maybe some people that point about humor maybe some people just aren't feeling very funny at the moment uh and they've got too much on their plates to have to worry about so those kind of things i think are the, the mistakes i've i've kind of made in the last couple of years and then learned from uh, and now I'd have to say that having done those two years and made a few, you know, basic errors, I think that probably now the the online learning and development that I do is is pretty good. There's still more I could learn. Um, something I'm I'm really really interested in are these use of these online apps like Slido and Kahoot and Mentimeter, those kind of things. Mm. I think they can really enrich what you do. So uh, that for me would be. I've come to that late in the two years. Maybe that's a mistake as well. I should have actually added those kinds of apps and things in more polls, more quizzes into the mix, because that is much more interactive, uh, especially if people are using able to use their mobile phones as well. And you can get a really kind of rich engagement then. Yeah, there's, yeah. Quite, there's quite a lot of things that aren't necessarily immediately obvious that you can actually yeah. do in the learning around. We actually did a podcast a while ago with Shirley Gaston and she, she sort of is has really specialised in some of the things like online games and stuff like that. And she's yeah. um, she's told me off because I didn't edit the podcast enough. So there's, there's, there's <laughs> probably too much in it, talking of too much content. But that's one worth yeah. going back to and actually listening to and thinking through actually what is, what is you know, just what many, many different things that you can do to try and make yeah. online learning still really engaging. So that's, that's yeah. anybody listening that's interested in that, I'd suggest you go back. Well, interestingly, just a brief story. I was working with the Royal Navy yesterday. And I think I mentioned it. Working with the Royal Navy. And um, interesting to me, one of the participants in the workshop I was doing, which was about compelling communication. One of them is delivering masses of training courses for the Navy. And he said to me, oh, I think I get it wrong. Um, I've got too much. I have to do training sessions, which are lectures of 90 minutes long. And I said, What? 90 minutes what online he said yes 90 minutes online I said whoa ho ho you know <laughs> if I've learned anything in these last couple of years that is just two long sessions you know without a break without giving people a time to digest and it was literally he was, he's been using them as 90 minute lectures so we were able yesterday to deconstruct what he does to make it work much much better and one of the things that came out in the discussion yesterday was that the Royal Navy have a professional version of Mentimeter that they can use he didn't know that I knew it. He he didn't know it. And so using that tool to make what otherwise was a fairly a fairly dry delivery was going to help enormously to ensure that the learning experience was much better for his participants on a very, very important subject for the Navy. Yeah. So, uh, 
learning learning about these uh, new tools is very important i think i'll look back at that uh, podcast john yeah have do a have a re-listen to it from shirley yeah yeah do do because it's yeah. uh, it's a good one that's packed full of ideas as well but listen Callan, yeah. it's been really interesting and fun to talk to you as well and thank you very much for being honest about sharing some of the mistakes <laughs> you've made which i admit i've made them all as well well, you know, we all learn, uh, being a professional L&D people, and also you'll know from participants in workshops and so on, they love to know what went wrong. And I think if we can collect what went wrong, and uh, clearly there are times with clients you can't talk about the ins and outs of a client, but just to share the learning that happened because you got you made an error, I think is incredibly valuable and people learn from that very, 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 very strongly. Well, this has been quite a good reflection process for both of us to kind of talk through and think through some of those mistakes. So this is us being dead professional L&D people, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I guess so. Very, very well put, John. Yeah, I think so. Excellent. Thanks, Caroline. OK, John, I'll see you soon. Take care.